Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about empowering each of us with the perspective and tools to grow and change. Now, I know a lot of people who are like me, they're avid podcast listeners. I listen to a lot of podcasts each week while I'm exercising, while I'm driving, or just making good use of my time each day. And I hope this Open Your Eyes podcast can do that for you. If it does, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you tune in. That way, you automatically get the next podcast as it is released each week. And feel free to share the podcast with your friends. Just use the share button on your podcast app to text the link to a friend or family member. And most of all, wherever you are listening right now and whatever the setting is, whether you're walking, driving, or in your home office, I hope you'll hear something today that will improve your way of thinking, that will open your eyes a bit more to who you are and what you can become. One of the things I'm asked to speak about most often is confidence. So many of us suffer from not having confidence in the moment or in our lives. Imagine if you could both find and keep genuine confidence all the time. It could literally change your life. So today, I'd like to talk to you about keeping your confidence. In 1803, James Monroe boarded a ship bound for Paris. Monroe, a senator, governor of Virginia, and secretary of state to Thomas Jefferson, would later become the fifth president of the United States. He was the last U.S. president elected who served in the Revolutionary War. He was six feet tall with brown wavy hair, and he was exceptional in his work, and he was formidable. And he would later be the only president elected with 80% of the popular vote. Now, on this trip to Paris, however, he would have to use all of his skills and capabilities to secure his goal. His goal was assigned to him by Jefferson himself, and to be honest, Monroe was unsure he would succeed. What was that goal? Convince Napoleon Bonaparte that if they did not sell, the French did not sell the city of New Orleans to the U.S., Monroe would head directly to England and sign a lasting treaty with the British. You see, Spain had recently given Louisiana to the French, and Monroe was authorized to spend $10 million for New Orleans. Why? Well, New Orleans was the gateway for imports and commerce to the entire country. The Mississippi River was the main shipping thoroughfare for much of the South and much of the United States. Now, while under Spanish control, New Orleans was open to all shipping because Spain was poor and could easily be bribed. But under the French rule, the United States was worried that New Orleans would be uncontrollable, that tariffs would be high and taxes extreme. And when Monroe arrived in Paris with his letter from Jefferson, what he soon learned was astounding. Napoleon needed money to pay for his upcoming war campaign against Britain. And with the entire Louisiana territory of little value to Napoleon, he asked only $15 million for the entire territory. And since Monroe was authorized to pay $10 million for New Orleans, he would gladly pay $15 million for the entire territory. So Monroe readily accepted. Jefferson agreed. Congress ratified. And with a $3 million down payment, the purchase was made. Do you know what eventual states were included in the Louisiana Territory? Louisiana, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, Colorado, Nebraska, Iowa, Wyoming, Montana, Minnesota, and North and South Dakota. 
It represented 828,000 square miles. The U.S. paid three cents per acre. Now, in today's dollars, that purchase is equivalent to $237 million or $42 an acre. Can you imagine? $42 per acre in today's dollars. What's the real value of the Louisiana Territory today? Well, it's easily worth $100 trillion. Now, here's Napoleon, supposed to have been one of the smartest strategists of his day. He conquered Egypt and Germany and Italy and parts of Africa and many other places in the world. And he failed to see the value in this vast territory in the New World. Now, historians have speculated on Napoleon's lack of vision and said it was because his focus was entirely on the upcoming war with Britain. You see, he needed funds to fight his potential war, and he was willing to trade away something of long-term value for short-term gain. And the ironic thing is that he never invaded Britain. His focus was on something of no value, and he gave up something of tremendous worth. This isn't unique to Napoleon. We often fail to see our own value. We underestimate what we have and who we are and the extent of our ability to contribute to the world, all while others are realizing the value in their life. And I wonder if you have undervalued what you have and who you are. You see, we often undervalue our talents, our skills, our ability to contribute. Why? Well, like Napoleon, we are so focused on something else, we give away our value. We give away our confidence. Now, this definitely happens when we compare ourselves to others. We're so focused on how we compare to them or how we perceive we compare that we fail to see the value we have in and of ourselves, when all the time the only measure that matters is how we compare to where we have been or where we're going. My second daughter, Mary, wanted to be a dancer her whole life, and she danced every day. She worked incredibly hard, and all the dancers in our city wanted to try out for and be chosen as part of a particular elite dance team. So in high school, she and a few of her friends tried out for the new team. The result? Her friends made the team, and Mary did not. I thought for sure she would lose her confidence, that it would impact the value she saw in herself. But it didn't. In fact, the dance team leader offered Mary a position on the junior team in the same studio. And it was a definite step down from her current studio. And none of her friends were on the junior team. And surely her friends on the elite team would look down on her, right? In comparison. Mary didn't compare herself to them. She danced on the junior team and worked on her technique and strength. You see, she didn't give up her confidence. Most of all, she only compared herself to herself and measured her progress with how she used to be. Now, it took a few years of humbling work, but soon Mary was on the elite team. And not only on the elite team, but also the premier dancer on that team. Later, when Mary and the same friends tried out for an elite college team and then a professional dance company, Mary was the only one to make both. And she now earns a living as a professional dancer. You see, most of us in similar situations stop because of comparison. We give away something of great value because of our short-term thinking and mood. And we often give up our confidence and withdraw when we compare ourselves to others. But 
When we keep our posture, we simply compare ourselves to ourselves. You see, a flower does not think of competing to the flower next to it. It just blooms. Comparison is the thief of joy. It robs you of your mojo, your perspective, your mindset, and your confidence. Now, comparison comes from a lack, a lack of confidence, love, a lack of self-esteem. And we all at times try too much to keep up or be like Mike or do what others are doing. And the truth is that in this cycle of comparison, too many people do things because of that comparison, like spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. It also means that we spend much of our life copying others. Copying others means you live in their shadow. And do you really want to live in the shadows the rest of your life? It's time to find your confidence and step into the light of not comparing yourself to others. Kurt Warner grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and he loved to play football and dreamt of becoming a pro quarterback. After college, he tried out with the Green Bay Packers, and he thought he would make the team. He didn't. He felt devastated. He later got a tryout with the Chicago Bears, but that didn't work out either. So he got a job as an assistant coach and worked nights at the Hy-Vee grocery store in Cedar Falls for $5.50 an hour. But he never gave up his confidence. Finally, he got a job playing quarterback in the Arena Football League, and he played for the Iowa Barnstormers. There, Warner began to discover who he really was. In the Arena League, he did one thing, win. He didn't focus on how he compared to those in the NFL. He just stayed focused on improving. In the Arena League, he learned to pass with pinpoint accuracy. It was fast-paced. It forced him to develop a quick release and perfect footwork. There, he won two championships. He also became a man of faith, by the way. And he knew he could compete in the NFL if only given a chance. Finally, seven years after his first tryout, an old man by NFL standards, he got his chance with the Arizona Cardinals. And he knew who he was by that point in time. And he knew what to do. Win. That year, Warner threw for 4,400 yards, 41 touchdowns, and a completion rate of 65%. They would go on to win Super Bowl 39, and Kurt would become a two-time league MVP. Of all of this, Kurt would later say of himself, I've always had confidence. The Apostle Paul once wrote to the Hebrews, Cast not away your confidence, which has great possibility of reward. Now, maybe you've set aside your confidence because you think that by now in life, you would have already achieved your goals and you haven't. Or perhaps it's been a while since you've really made a difference doing what you were meant to do. Or perhaps you've been trying and trying for a while with little success. If so, take a lesson from Mary and Kurt and Paul. Don't compare to others. Posture up and hold on to your confidence. There is simply no value in comparison. Why? Well, because the world is rife with inequality. This is a fact. You've heard that 80% of the wealth is created by 20% of the people, right? Or 80% of the work in your organization is the result of 20% of your workers. And I found that this 80-20 rule is largely true in most circumstances. What this means is life is full of inequity. It means that the 80% will rarely measure up to the 20%, or at least they don't measure up at the moment. 
And this means there will always be people around that will be better at something than you. And when we compare, we become stuck, paralyzed in our ability to act. This lesson was taught to me by Dean Furness, who was injured in an accident and paralyzed from the chest down. Dean says in the weeks following his accident, he was more paralyzed by comparison than he was physically by his accident. You see, after his accident, he was constantly comparing his life with what it was years ago. Even more, he compared his life with the life of those around him. He said this way of living and comparing was miserable. The big change came when he decided to compare himself only with who he was yesterday. When he made this change of view, everything changed, and it was then that his real road to recovery began. He realized the quicker you move on to the next thing and focus on doing a little bit better, soon the good outweighs the bad, and that's when your confidence returns. So give up the paralysis of thinking, I wish I had a career like him, or I wish I had a body shape like her, or I wish I had a house like them. Every minute you spend wishing you had someone else's life is a minute spent wasting yours. And the reason why we sometimes lack confidence is because we compare our behind-the-scenes life with everyone else's highlight reel. And oftentimes that comparison isn't even based on the truth of what their life really consists of. So, how do you stop comparisons in your life? Well, here are three ways to pivot your thinking next time you feel yourself in the comparison trap. And you can pivot and put on the right belief window with these three pivots. Here we go. The first pivot is this. For the most part, the truth is many people who succeed have worked exceptionally hard to achieve the skills or results that they have. So instead of comparing and lamenting what others have and you don't, pivot your mindset to they've worked exceptionally hard for their success and I can do the same. Frame it in terms of that truth. And more often than not, that is the truth. They've spent the time necessary to have what they have, and you could choose to do the same. That truth will set you free. You see, whatever we hold on our belief window or consistently hold in our mind will eventually be what we experience in life. Where focus goes, energy flows. If I hold the belief that others are fortunate and I am not, life will likely turn out that way. The next pivot is this. Confidence, and in many cases success, is dependent on focus. So many of us fail to achieve because we have so many minor things happening in our life. We fail to choose a major and focus on it. Those who succeed often choose to sacrifice other things to make room for the remarkable. So when comparing... Pivot to this perspective. They've chosen to make that a focus in their life. And so could I. You see, our focus on too many things does impact our ability and confidence. And it happens in business all the time. Look at Nokia. In 2007, less than two decades ago, Nokia was the number one mobile phone company in the world. And they made 50% of all the profits in the mobile phone industry. No doubt that sometime between the year 2000 and 2007, you and almost everyone had a mobile phone made by Nokia. Today, however, Nokia is a byword 
They were sold to Microsoft at a fraction of their value and now have only a tiny market share in the mobile phone market. Why did they fail? Well, at first, you'd assume it's because they got trounced by the technology of Apple and Samsung, right? But that wouldn't be the real answer. To find the real answer, you have to look inside Nokia. They missed the opportunity because of how they viewed themselves and their focus. You see, they saw themselves as a conglomerate. They made paper and electricity and even rubber boots. But there was little value in rubber boots compared to smartphones. You see, they failed to see themselves as the mobile device communications leader because they were focusing on too many things. And as a result, they missed the boat and they let Apple and Samsung take the lead. And today, Apple is worth 200 times what Nokia is worth. So if you want your confidence back, learn this lesson. Focus on what's most important to you, letting the small minor things go, and it will make room for you to progress. And that progress will yield confidence. The next pivot to avoid the comparison trap is this. Remember, someone else is dreaming of the things you take for granted. You see, gratitude turns what you have into enough. When we're grateful for what we have, it doesn't mean that we're satisfied or won't go on to do amazing things in life. What it does mean is we focus on keeping our confidence and keeping our positivity about us. Trust me, we're all human, and it's okay to have a meltdown and wish things were different now and then. Just don't unpack and set up shop and live there. Cry it out, then remember what you've got, return to your confidence, and refocus on what you're grateful for. You see, when you're grateful, you can bear difficulties much easier. When you're grateful, it's hard to be angry or worried or anything else. It's not the load that breaks you. It's the way you carry it. And it's easy, and the load is light when you're grateful. Now, a simple practice of thinking of things you're grateful for can change your mood and give you renewed confidence. Let me give you a simple example. Right now, think about the one thing that you're most grateful for in your life. And when I say think about it, I mean really think about it. For example, I'm super grateful for my wife. She's extremely helpful, loves me despite my weaknesses. She's an exceptional grandmother, and I could go on and on. And by the time I'm done thinking about why I'm grateful for her, it is almost impossible not to value her. And as you think about what you're grateful for, you will immediately feel different. You'll feel confident about it. And the need to compare will diminish and the value of that thing in your life will increase. And the same goes for being grateful for your own skills and life. You have something about you for which I'm certain you're very grateful. Maybe it's you're a good people person or a dedicated exerciser or faithful or whatever your gift may be. And if you really think about it, you will feel different. Remember, it's the emotion that creates the motion, meaning the feeling of it will direct your confidence and your actions. I will tell you in my life, I faced a number of circumstances when I failed or I was dwelling on my failures. And I've learned that when I pivot to being grateful and gracious, things just tend to work out. A grateful and gracious person almost always wins. 
Gratitude is a mark of a noble soul and a refined character. And when you're grateful, you're more humble, you're more likable. And in my opinion, gratitude is the catalyst for all other noble characteristics. The struggle ends when gratitude begins. Now let's talk about keeping your confidence. In the early 1980s, Bob Gale, a screenwriter and film director, was home visiting his parents. And he picked up his father's yearbook only to discover that his father was class president. He was shocked. This guy in the yearbook picture wasn't the mild-mannered underachiever that Bob had grown up with. And the more he dug into his father's past, the more he learned that his father wasn't who he eventually became. And resolved not to let that happen to him, Gail sat down and wrote the script to a movie you know as Back to the Future. In his movie script, Marty McFly is disappointed with his parents, his siblings, and his life. So he eventually meets Dr. Emmett Brown, who discovers the flux capacitor after slipping and hitting his head on the toilet seat. This flux capacitor and a bolt of lightning generates the 1.21 gigawatts of power needed to get back to the future. And Marty does exactly that. Marty then finds a different future in which his father is self-confident, his mother is fit and healthy, and his brother and sister doing what they were meant to do. The intended point of the movie was that we, if we had a redo in life, could and would create a better life, a life of confidence, a life of greater value. And Bob Gale said that it was his entire point in writing Back to the Future He wrote it so that people would take a look at their life, at who they were, and what they'd hoped for, and decide differently. Isn't it time to get back to the future of your life and leave behind the things of the past or the comparisons of the present? So, wouldn't it be great today if you fell, hit your head on the toilet seat, or got a bolt of lightning, or whatever it takes to give you the flux, the stream of energy, the sudden flow of strength that you need to get your confidence. Because the truth is, you are exceptional. You have immense value. And perhaps you haven't yet given the focus to what you were meant to do, but it doesn't mean the value isn't there. It's time to choose the better part of you. Your smarts, your goodness, your drive are unmatched. And God did not give you the gifts that you have for you not to open those gifts and use them to make your life, your identity, yourself, remarkable. So how do we keep our confidence? Action. Any action of any kind creates confidence. Now, consistent action repeated with intent helps you keep that confidence. One of the actions that has always helped me in life is this. Start your day right away. Early in life, I joined the 530 Club. It sounds early, But 5.30 a.m. gives me the time to both exercise and read something inspirational. And I add an extra booster. I listen to podcasts of all kinds when I exercise. You'd be surprised how you feel when you do both of those things before everyone else gets up and gets going in the morning, and especially before you start the other priorities of your day. There's a massive amount of confidence in this simple habit. This action will infuse your life with good. Imagine yourself 10 years from now if you did this every day. Exercise and read. Not only would your physical health be significantly different, but think of what you'll learn. 
Each morning, you can get a sense for how to live better, to think better, and be a better person. And this can't help but become part of who you are. Ten years from now, you'll be a different person as a result. Each morning, adding a little by little, principle by principle, concept by concept, and habit upon habit, you'll grow in confidence. Another action that will change your confidence is this. Focus on the most important item of the day, almost at the exclusion of everything else. Focus yields success, and success yields confidence. And in my experience, it's very important to feel that you've made progress towards the things that matter, and not to have them hanging over you and creating ongoing stress and incongruence and robbing you of your confidence. For example, today, my most important item might be to ensure my team knows they're appreciated and valued. If I focus on that, almost at the exclusion of other things, being certain to do that thing today, I end my day having not only done what I set out to do, but having done the most important. This builds confidence like nothing else. Now, the next action to keep your confidence is this. Use words of appreciation and affirmation. So often in our daily walk, we use critical words with others and with ourselves. And I found that when I purposefully use words out loud that are full of appreciation and affirmation, my feelings, my mood, my confidence changes. So just try this today. When you walk past your son or daughter or any person in your life, stop and tell them why you appreciate them. The minute you begin to use these words, an infusion of confidence will fill your heart and watch what happens to them. The long-term effect of doing this daily habit is massive. You will find your relationships are easier. You'll have less friction in your daily dealings with people, and you'll feel more empowered as a person. Now, here's the last action to keep your confidence. Take responsibility. When we take responsibility, things change. It means that if you make a mistake, take full responsibility. It means if you think about where you are relative to your goals, take responsibility. It means in your relationships, take responsibility. It's not always fun, but it's always worth it. And it brings immense power into your life. Let me give you a simple example from psychology research. One of the most often replicated social experiments about the power of personal responsibility is often done on college campuses. It's called the mirror experiment. One example was done at the University of Central Florida. In that study, 185 undergraduate students were split up and put into one of two rooms. And once in the rooms, they were requested to choose between chocolate cake or salad to eat. Then they were asked to rate its deliciousness. Now, half the students were placed in a room with mirrors on the wall and the other half in a room without mirrors. Researchers found that students who were in the room with mirrors more often chose salad rather than chocolate cake. And of the students that did choose chocolate cake, they rated the cake less tasty than the students who ate cake in the room without mirrors. You see, the mirror enabled students to view themselves objectively and help them to judge themselves and their behaviors as if they were watching themselves. They were taking personal accountability of their actions. Similar examples have been done in other settings. 
the University of Rotterdam did an experiment in which they placed a man on the street, gave him tattered clothes and the appearance of a beggar, and observed how often money was placed in the tin cup in front of him. At one point, the researchers secured a mirror in front of the man's face. This way, people would see themselves in the mirror when they approached the man. And after that, with a mirror in which the people saw their own reflection, the donations increased by 500%. Likewise, when we look at ourselves objectively and take responsibility, our choices change. When you objectively view yourself with the understanding that you can improve and you don't have to improve in everything now, but you can do it, confidence improves. So remember, start your day right. Focus on the most important item of the day. Show genuine appreciation and take personal responsibility. Now, think about how your day and your life would change with these four daily actions. You'd be a different person, wouldn't you? You'd be more confident and feel of more value. And here's the thing. You are already a person of immense value. The key ingredient to realizing that value is confidence. So I end where I started today. Imagine the true value inside of you, your business, your life, when you pivot from the practice of comparing yourself to others and learn a lesson from Napoleon. Appreciate and value what is good in your life. Don't let the short-term emotion of comparison or anything else diminish who you are and what you have. Perhaps you're like Nokia, a conglomerate of sorts, doing lots of things poorly, but nothing exceptionally well. So get focused on what's most important. Get rid of the distractions keeping you from growing your most important asset on your balance sheet. That's you. Keep your confidence by starting your day right. Focus on the most important. Show appreciation and take responsibility. And most of all, get back. Get back to your future. Your future is waiting, waiting for you to give your full confidence self so you can improve your life and change what needs changing. So get back to the right action. Get back to the right feeling. Get back to the giving and get back to the future that you know is waiting for you. Thanks for being here today. We'll talk about your next steps to opening your eyes in our next podcast. And I look forward to being with you again soon.